today on CityCast Philly. Some states across the country have introduced bills restricting or criminalizing drag shows. While that's not happening in Philly, the backlash does affect local performers. We wanted to check in with a Philly drag legend who created a drag story time for kids about how he deals with protesters. It's Thursday, May 4th. I'm Trinae and here's what Philly's talking about. Ian Morrison, your drag name is Brittany Lynn. You created and run the Philly Drag Mafia, one of the most popular drag shows in the city and region. You also are the founder of Drag Queen Storytime. What has it been like to watch this wave of bills be introduced across the country? Um, Well, right now it's a little crazy because I've been out uh, since 1993. So I've watched this kind of legislation from like gay marriage to, you know, like don't ask, don't tell and all it comes like in waves. And it's crazy that like 30 years later, now it's about drag queens. <laughs> like we, it was first, it was marriage equality and then it was the military service. And now they're coming after drag shows because they don't want to talk about gun reform. <laughs> How does this impact you and what you do and your performances? Well, I never thought it was going to come down to people against drag shows. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's starting to impact one, like the mental health of performers, because imagine if you walking into CityCast Philly and there was people with signs saying, stop podcasting. Like, you know, yeah. I've only had three different protests at my events, which have all been extremely unsuccessful. And we could get into that because some of them are hilarious. Like there was one serious one at the Cherry Hill Library last year. And let me say that these people don't even go here. They're not from here. They want to travel to Philly to protest against things that have nothing to do with them or involve them. So uh, last summer, Cherry Hill Library, we were having a, a big drag queen story time for Pride Month. And here comes this short, sad, little yellow bus full of protesters that came out and there was like a lot of like different religious factions in this one group that all came together in the name of whichever God they follow to protest my drag queen story time, which is a literacy program you know, for children. And let's go back to 2015, right? You started the drag queen story time. And like you said, you've worked with the Philadelphia library system, schools, museums on this particular program. And it's more than just picking a book and reading it, right? Yeah, so um, the Drag Queen Story Hour program started in Chicago, and it got, like, such a great, like, everybody was so receptive of it that there was a place here in South Philly. It was called Lume Creative Studios. It was an art studio for children. So they're like, can you do this here? And I said, okay. We did it there. It was such a success that the FUMO uh, library picked us up. It was the most attended event. They've That library was packed. We had 120 people in that non-air-conditioned library (laughs) in the summer, you know? So they kept doing it. And then the other, the other, she kind of like pimped me out to all the other libraries, like everywhere, Germantown, Friends, the Love It, Andorra, you know, um, places in Atlantic City. Then the Please Touch Museum asked us to do it for Pride. And that was their only event in their history that ever sold out, but we sold it out. 
numerous times, right? How's that make you feel? It made me feel amazing. Like they said, this is the only time we've ever had a line, you know, of people. And it was multiple events. But the Please Touch Museum has, they are all child educators, big degrees, PhDs. Mm -hmm. I said, well, we need to take this a step further. So we came together and we looked at every story and their themes and I um, bought these amazing puppets and we put puppeteers in the audience and the puppeteers would interact with me on stage to kind of um, ask questions and about the themes of the story and things like that, just to open up uh, communication about, you know, thoughts on the book, even though we read you know, like books like Goodnight Owl or like Piggy and Elephant. Mm -hmm. But we also read stuff like The Prince and the Knight, where the prince falls in love with the knight rather than the princess. You know, there's Stella has two dads and it's Mother's Day and she don't know how to act. (laughs) You know, there's like all these amazing books that I wish, 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 wish that they were around when I was a kid. Because like, you know, you never know who in the audience is like LGBTQ and questioning. And, you know, back in the day, it was in the 90s, it was hard enough to just come out to your families because there wasn't internet and there wasn't uh, any representation in media, books, TVs, movies. And now it's it's a whole new world. Like kids are coming out at an early age. They know who they are and they aren't afraid to be vocal about it. Do you think it's something about having someone in drag read to them that makes it more engaging? I, I would say this. So there's you know, people do story times all the time where it's just librarians reading books and the kids, you know, it's hard to keep kids attention. So drag is the medium of the story. Yeah. I think, you know, people see drag queens and it, they're not thinking this is a drag queen. They're thinking this is a princess, you know, or a queen. They see the big hair, they see the jewelry and the makeup, and it's just, you know, they just want to look at you. They don't care about the story. They just want to meet like a real life princess or Disney character. Explain to us, like, what's the difference between what you do as Brittany Lynn for adults versus the story time that you do for kids? Yeah. So obviously there's an adult mindset. Um, I will say that my drag shows are all family friendly because we do them at some places that allow all ages. If it's a place like that, then we, you know, we adapt the show to being family friendly. We do a Disney brunch, you know, where we're all Disney princesses. You know, I don't curse a lot during my shows, you know, especially if there's kids. But, you know, there's... um this generation of parents that want to, you know, show their kids different lifestyles and cultures. So, you know, I'm always made aware if there are kids there, you know, obviously for doing drag queen story time, I've had my FBI background checks, which, you know, most teachers and and things like that go through as well. I also want to say that all of my drag queen story times are shown live on Facebook. So people can watch and see, but these people that protest refuse to watch and see what I do. They just hear on Fox News that um, that we're exposing ourselves to children. But, you know, that being said, like what we do for adults at our adult drag brunches, which are meant for people to just come in and have fun. You know, it's not brain surgery. We sing live. We're all cabaret performers. We sing live. We dance. We're not just lip sync artists. We put a lot of work and effort into our costumes and makeup so if anything we're wearing 
more close than any other person in any profession on the planet, <laughs> you know, but people are like, oh, it's a drag show. They're exposing their genitals to children. Like, where, where are you even getting this information? Doesn't that, doesn't that kind of like, just like, I would be kind of tired. You've been doing this for some time. 27 like, like, years. <laughs> so doesn't that become exhausting after a while? It is exhausting. Like, you know, when we did this event at the Cherry Hill Library, like they, I had to walk in through the back. Luckily, Cherry Hill has some very strong women, you know, librarians that they could beat me up, these ladies. So, <laughs> you know, but, but for every protest group, if I go on Facebook and say, hey, there's protesters coming, people come out in droves. There's always like four to one ratio of people that are counter protesting these protesters. So that's what happened at Cherry Hill. In fact, there was like, I want to say there was maybe 30 protesters, but there was like 60 to 70 counter protesters. And some of them even chose to remain outside to counter protest just so I wouldn't be bothered during my story time. And after that story time, they all came in. I gave them all free copies of my children's books, the animated stuff to thank them for their help and this and that. And then I go out the back door and here's the protesters that were smart enough to figure out I was coming out the back door and they all have like their cameras in my face and they're, they call me by my name. They're like, Ian Morrison, you know, we know all about you and your grooming children. And they're like, we saw your grinder account. I'm like, well, first of all, shut that down because I don't do the apps, you know, but these people take this time to investigate me and figure out my name, where I live. There's pictures of me on their protest signs, which, you know, at least let me say which pictures you could use if you can protest me, you know what I mean? But they will investigate me and do all this work, but they won't take a moment to look at the live stream to see what it is we actually do. You know, we are a literacy program, which I think is even more important because these protesters can't read or write. You should see these sad signs. Stuff is misspelled. I did the National Liberty Museum, I would say two years ago, as we were still kind of like coming out of the pandemic and everything. And these protesters, they went to the wrong museum at the wrong time. So here I get done. I'm about to walk out. And the people at the National Liberty Museum were like, hey, here come the protesters. So I'm like, well, let me get in my Uber before all this nonsense. So they start to surround my Uber. And I just, I said to the Uber driver, I said, give me a minute. I pulled that window down. I was like, this is why literacy is so important. You know, you went to the wrong museum at the wrong time. If you're going to protest me, be on time. Spell your signs correctly. You know, use a good picture of me, like stop it, you know, and they, they didn't know how to act because I was like, this is why you should learn to read and write. Come to my drag queen story time program. Let me show you how to put letters together. You know, it was it was sad, but funny at the same time. And I know we've talked a lot about, you know, how others perceive you, how other people have engaged with you, whether good or bad. What has all of this meant to you, though? I'm, I'm curious to know, what have you learned about yourself in this process? Um, I feel like I'm just like, I'm paying it forward. I'm making it easier for the next generation to be accepting of themselves. You know, like sometimes I get all worked up reading some of these stories, like when in The Prince in the Night, when they get married at the end of the book, I, I can't keep it together. <laughs> you know what I mean, I start to I start to get teary eyed and sometimes I just lose it because um, I'm showing this next generation that it's OK to be who you are and be yourself. All right, Ian Morrison, the creator of Philly Drag Mafia and Drag Queen Storytime. Thank you so much for speaking with me on CityCast Philly. 
Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> and here's what else Philly's talking about. Do you remember Building 21 in West Oak Lane, the school that closed for two months because of asbestos? Well, KYW reports that this week it reopened but closed again, and this time it was for water damage. District officials say plaster from two stairwells fell, probably from the past weekend's rainy weather. Students will have virtual classes through at least Friday. The trial begins this week for a former Philadelphia SWAT officer accused of unlawfully pepper spraying protesters. According to NBC10, Richard Paul Nicoletti pleaded not guilty. The incident happened on I-676 back in 2020 during racial justice demonstrations following the death of George Floyd. Nicoletti says he was following protocols. And congrats to 76ers Joel Embiid for being named this season's most valuable player. This is the NBA's top individual honor. Game three of the conference semifinals between the Sixers and the Boston Celtics happens Friday, May 5th. Go Sixers! That's all for today here on CityCast Philly. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and hit that subscribe button. Be sure to sign up for our morning newsletter too. It's called Hey Philly. We'll be back tomorrow morning with the Friday News Roundup. Bye. Bye.